Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the first ever edition of the Chatham Bros Fantasy Football Podcast. It's your boy BK here to recap the week 14 results for the 2019-2020 Fantasy Football's Adam's Gaze. When tasks are coming up with a way to recap their weekly results, thanks to that weeping Willow Kents, I thought it might be a good idea to try something different, and thus I went with a podcast. Decided to break the podcast into three different sections. The first would be everyone's overall uh, yearly record versus Yahoo's projections. Then I'm going to talk about the consolation and the regular playoffs and my projection on who, who I think is going to win. And finally, I just want to touch base on my thoughts on finishing and last, as well as uh, the fiasco involving Mr. Matthew Keating. Uh, overall, it was a fun year for the league. Um, I think as with any other year, you're going to have some teams that rise to the occasion and some teams that don't. Um, and thus, when I was doing this, kind of putting together the data for this particular podcast, I kind of just bucketed people using Yahoo's projections versus where they actually ended up. And I bucked them into people that overachieved, people that met expectations, and those that might not have uh, met expectations were, were kind of still in the mix for the playoffs or consolation tournament. Um, so number one, in terms of overachievers, uh, we have Matty McHugh. Obviously, Matty finished in first, so he's obviously going to be in the overachievers. But he really exceeded expectations thanks to a great draft pick in Lamar Jackson and his strong disdain for Matt Keating. He was projected to get to five wins on draft day, but he ended up being plus six to end up getting to 11, uh, which was good for tops in the leagues in terms of increase in wins over the projected Mr. Yahoo at the beginning of the year. He's projected to have 1,463 points and ended up getting 1,725, which is good for overperformance of 262. Again, this was good for first in the league. He was also aided by having his opponents go under their scoring projections by 152 points over the course of the season, which was considered the luckiest in terms of matchups over the course of the year. So when you take in the totality of everything that happened with Matty, it makes sense he finished at first because... He, over, he overperformed and had everyone else not uh, have any career weeks against him over the course of the year. In number two spot, uh, I had Bua. Uh, he had a good season, but again, this is kind of easy when you have Delvin Cook handed to you in a dumb trade by Kent's a couple years back. Uh, I think Kent's is probably regretting that one. Uh, Bua was projected to finish in seventh at the beginning of the year, and he ended up finishing in second. He was uh, projected to end up with seven wins, and he ended up getting to 11 while scoring 14, 14 points above his early projections to get 1,534 points for the year. Much like Maddie, he was aided by his opponents scoring 146 points less than they were projected over the year, which was good for third luckiest person in the league. In third place, I actually have Farm. Uh... I put Farm in this category over Achievers despite his record because he kind of battled through adversity with uh, Andrew Luck kind of getting up and retiring in the middle of the year. Um, I think he outperformed what Mr. Yahoo thought his projections would be. Uh, he was projected to go 0-14. He ended up scraping by with five wins, so that, that that's pretty solid. He uh, was projected to get 1,276 points. He ended up with 1,329 which means that his opponents underperformed by 24. So overall, it was a good campaign for Pharmacus. I mean, I think uh, not a lot of 
a lot of us even expect him to make the consolation tournament. So uh, good on you, Farm. I think uh, you have a couple pieces for the future. So hopefully that bodes well for you. Uh, next, I have Rhino. Despite having arguably the worst trade in our league's fantasy history, uh, with the Michael Thomas trade to Cubes, he finished with the fourth highest increase in the league versus projections. Uh, Rhino has come a long way since when we were unable to locate him in the days leading up to the trade deadline. He's pretty engaged. Um, for a kid that doesn't use computers when he drafts, it's pretty impressive he ended up where he ended up for the most part. Um, Rhino was projected to have a record of 2-11. He ended up getting to 4-9 and nine with an eye towards the future. Uh, he was projected to get 1,357 points and ended up over – Excuse me. He ended up over projecting that by 40, 45 points, uh, and his uh, opponents missed their projection by four. So overall, good season for Rhino. Um, I think uh, he's just happy he didn't finish in last, much like everyone else. Uh, the next bucket of people I kind of put into met expectations. Uh, I have next. I have Dunny, uh, as we call him, good old Mister Shrimp. Uh, his preseason rankings had him in the fifth spot and he managed to overachieve those a little thanks. I think this is more thanks to the performance of other teams as opposed to the performance of his, but he still ended up overachieving for a little bit. Uh, his team is stacked. Uh, but I think that they lack the motivation from their owner to kind of get over the hump and, uh, exceed expectations. Uh, he was attracted to get 1,586 points and ended up outpacing that by 34 to a tune of 1,620. His opponents also scored four, 84 points under their projection, so he was aided pretty heavily by that. He also has the best running back in the league, arguably, in McCaffrey, so he's set up in the future uh, to have a couple good years. I think the big thing for Team Dunn is going to be uh, – the improvement of Carson Wentz. Wentz has kind of taken a, a regression over the last couple, or I guess over this year. So his improvement is going to uh, need to happen for Dunn to continue to have continued success in the future. Uh, next, I have Mickles. Uh, Mickles is an interesting case because the Yahoo rankings are usually pretty shitty, but they had him right where he ended up. Uh, they was projected to finish in ninth, and he finished in ninth. The McMahon was thought to have a shot at four wins, but he overachieved by this, and he got to five. So he was right on par with what they thought. But uh, this was the fifth-best improvement in the league in terms of wins over projections because he actually went over his projections. Uh, with a solid running back pick in Josh Jacobs and Deshaun Washington, Watson to build around, I think McMahon has a good shot to uh, have a big leap going into the 2020 2021 season he was able to do all of this uh this year while underperforming a projected 1445 points by 73 but his opponents missed the projections by 49 points when playing him so he underperformed but so did his opponents so it kind of aided well so it makes sense that he kind of stayed in that general yahoo projections in seventh place, I have OD. Uh, the good old cookie monster was projected to end up in third, and he ended up in fourth, which is obviously basically the definition of meeting expectations. They thought he'd get to 10 wins, but he got to nine. Interestingly enough, OD managed to perform this 
while falling short of a projected point total of 15.88 by 117 points. Uh, OD's opponent, uh, sorry, uh, OD uh, also was aided by the fact that he is considered, uh, in terms of his opponents, the luckiest person in the league. Um, he managed to do this over the course of the year without any, having anyone particularly go nuts or go crazy uh, when they played him. Uh, Odie has some good pieces for the future, and I know he thinks that uh, his team's getting a little older. He thinks that the, the guard in the league is changing a little bit. Uh, I'm not convinced. I think Odie's still a player. Uh, I think a lot of that's going to depend on Baker Mayfield's growth and figuring it out with Odell Beckham Jr., uh, but who knows? Anything could happen. Next, I have Kents, uh, uh, the good old ladle Kents. He's projected to finish in 11th, and he fell one spot into 12th. He was all over the place this year, and I honestly have to say I respect it. He was trying to rattle cages all year, but I think his new engaged attitude bodes well for his future as well. Um, I mean, and no, I don't want Mark Ingram for the last goddamn time. Uh, he was projected to get the three wins and he managed to get the fourth, uh, get to four, which is good for the fifth best increase in the league in terms of win projections over total. He also scored 35 points over his projected 1354, while his opponents actually scored 27 more points than their projected over the course of the season. But I think all in all, Kent is seeing, uh, kind of what happens and he puts in the time and effort he's seeing an increase in his standings I know he was in the mix kind of or finishing in last but I don't think he really was ever in danger of that so I think this is an improvement for Kent's and I think he is is looking into the future with uh potential pieces and draft picks to uh to be to get better in 2020 uh ninth I have Jeremy uh, Jeremy's someone that takes a complete opposite approach to fantasy football than me. He seems to trade a lot of draft picks, pick guys that are unproven, uh, take flyers on people like Darius Geis, uh, and we'll see if it works out. Um, I think in the future he has some pieces that could make his team kind of dangerous. Uh, Jeremy was projected to finish in sixth, and he ended up finishing in eighth. Um Yahoo thought he would get to nine wins, and he only got to six. But I think a lot of this is due to the Browns being terrible. Um, he was projected to get 1,151, and he ended up 271 short, which is the third-worst point production in terms of projections in the league. Um, so he didn't meet his points projections. His opponents actually ended up scoring 136 more than they were projected. Um, so I think the reason that Jeremy's kind of not higher in the league is because it seems like people really had good weeks against him and it shows that it really matters who you play and when, um, he had the second worst luck in the league as terms of, uh, people going off when they played him. Um, Keating, uh, next is Keating, which is, uh, everyone's favorite league member. He really, uh, find some shitty ways to do business and, and uh, I'll get to my thoughts on that whole situation later. Um, but Keating was ended up to finish in fourth. He, he was projected to finish in fourth. He ended up in sixth. He was projected to get to 10 wins. He ended up getting to seven. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm still kind of pissed he sat James White because I traded him 
to him, but uh, I think a, a big reason for him ending up where he ended up is because he kind of pulled, he benched a lot of these guys, as it can be seen in the projections. But with a player like Saquon Barkley, um, and, and even if he keeps James White, I think Keating will be in the mix uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, he was projected to get to 1,568 points he only manages 1355 but again a good portion of that underperformance of 213 points is due to the sitting of people in week 13 um, the teams that played against Keating fell short of the projections by 110 um, which is very unfortunate because there's nothing better than people just having career days against Keating uh, a salty Keating is by far my favorite Keating um, so uh, hopefully we can all just uh, keep that going into the foreseeable future. Next, I have Fenlin. Uh, I mean, it's hard to believe I, I lost to this team. Uh, no offense, Fenlin, but, I mean, my team's bad too, but your team sucks, and honestly, you're, it's, it's crazy I lost to you. But uh, he was projected to finish in 10th, and he escaped, narrowly escaped last place by finishing in 13th. He was able to reach his Yahoo projections of four, um, and he's projected to get to 1,415 points, but he fell short of that by 317 points, which is by far the worst in the league. So his players did not perform, and his point total obviously was lower than I think anyone else in the league, but he was able to win a game to kind of push himself up to standings. He also had his, his opponents fall short of point projections by 139. Um, I, again, I can't believe I lost this team because not only did he underperform by 317 points, he had his opponents underperform by 139, and he still stunk. Um, it, I mean, it is what it is. I think Fenlon and I are going to be battling uh, to get some draft picks up in the future here because I'm not sure how many keepers either of us have. Um, the next bucket of people I have is uh, good, good teams who, I mean, two of the better teams in the league, but when you look that I – but when you look at kind of where they ended up versus Yahoo projections, it wasn't great, but they still ended up being pretty good. Uh, that would be uh, next would be McHugh, the good old Mr. Kamish. He had a solid year. And for me, he's, he's definitely one of the favorites going into the playoffs. His roster stacks, thanks in part to, as I mentioned before, Rhino's trade with him. If you can get Zeke going, you'll be tough to beat him. But Yahoo was a little off on the projections. He was projected to finish in first. He ended up finishing in fifth. He was projected to get to 13 wins. He got to seven. Uh, they, they projected him to be 13-0. So th- this ranking on this list is is more uh, due to Yahoo's rankings being stupid as hell because 13-0 is almost impossible. I'm not even sure it's ever happened in our league. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, McHugh was projected to have 1,751 points, and he actually ended up getting 1,764. So he overachieved by 12. So he's right on the right on where they thought he would be. So the projections on Yahoo for his actual points, I guess, were good, but the projections on wins are way off. Uh, he was projected to have points against him of 1,445, and they actually ended up scoring 1,496. So people scored better than their average by 50 points against him, and he still ended up being in the playoffs. So sign that McHugh has a good team, um, and he was able to kind of weather that storm. I think it also shows you that this goes for everyone. It matters who you play and when. Um, And and no one exemplified this more than uh, Mr. Brown Bear Connor. He finished in dead last in the league versus actual projections. Um, He projected to finish in second. He ended up in seventh. 
He was projected to get 12 wins. He ended up with six. Uh, again, this was uh, t- the last place in the league in wins versus the projected wins. Uh, Connor, Mr. Yahoo thought Connor would get 1,663 points. He actually ended up getting 1,421, which is 222, or sorry, 242 below his expectations, which is 12th worst in the league. Uh, his opponents actually, opponents went 112 above their projections, which is good for the unluckiest person in the league. So um, Connor went below expectations and had people kind of have great weeks against him which kind of shows and why he slid down the standings a lot uh i mean he just ran into some hot teams at the wrong time adding cam newton being injured and basically sucking it was a tough tough sled for connor uh he had some great players in Diggs, green kittle um and i think he's in position to be in the tops of the league uh in the next couple of years and i'm not just saying this because you guys think he's my boyfriend uh i generally believe that his team is solid and will he will be tough to be in the next couple of years um i will say he was aided by the fact that when he played me i basically handed him a win because i had 10 guys on on by but that's neither here nor there so overall the league was great this year i mean it's a lot of fun this new thing that kent's has going on where we're, we're all doing different things is great um i mean i did this podcast and Obviously, it's pretty terrible, but uh, maybe this is something we go into the future where we have uh, podcasts on a weekly basis, recapping it, and we have people call in or different people host, something to think about. Um, So the next part of the podcast, I kind of just want to talk about the different playoff matchups, preview what I thought might might happen in the playoffs, and as well as a consolation bracket. So the first matchup is Brennan versus Cubes. I actually feel kind of bad for Brendan. I think he got, I mean, you can make an argument. He got the worst luck uh, with the actions by Mr. Matt Keating because now he has to face Cubes, who, in my opinion, I think is going to win the league. I think it's he's the best team. Um, whether or not that comes to fruition, who knows. But I think Odie drew the short end of the straw and having to face uh, Cubes. I mean, I think Dunn's good too, but... Keating's actions, I think, mostly screwed uh, O'Donnell, which is here or there, but I think he just got the most unlucky portion of that uh, action by Keating. Um, but O'Donnell also faces an uphill climb because Elliott already went off for 22 points on Thursday night. Um, I think on Cube's team, I think they have a great matchup with the Green Bay D facing Washington. Washington is... Uh, not very good. So I, I think that they'll surprise some people and get some points from there. Um, but in OD's favor, two of Cube's best players, Kelsey and Thomas, have very tough matchups versus New England and San Francisco. That could build well for O'Donnell. Um, O'Donnell also has good draws in the fact that Baker Mayfield and Chubb are playing the Bengals, who are the worst team in the league. Um, so I think that that could make up some of the difference. Uh, he also, O'Donnell also had Amari Cooper kind of offset some of the point production from, uh, Zeke Elliott. Um, so I think right now, like looking at it all in, I think this one's close. It's a toss up. Um, but like I said, I think, I actually think McHugh is going to win this year. So I'm going to pick McHugh over O'Donnell in quarterfinal matchup. Number one, uh, quarterfinal matchup. Number two, uh, is Dunny versus Keating. Um, like I said, I think O'Donnell got a tough end of the draw. 
But I think there's an argument to be made that by Keating uh, benching people last year, he put himself in a tougher, a very, very tough first-round matchup. Maybe tougher, depending on whether you think Dunny or uh, Cubes is better. Um, I think it's going to be tough sledding for Keating either way, but I think he also knew that going into it. He just wanted to be on Pua's side of the bracket. Um, he's going to need a big game from Saquon Barkley, as everyone knows, and hopefully James White also kind of just has another 33-point performance uh, in garbage time. Um, that that would help. Uh, he also Keating's putting a lot of weight on uh, the Tampa Bay offense, which I'm not sure that's a good thing or a bad thing with Jameis Winston and Godwin. They're both good players, but if they don't score a lot of points in that game, it's all but over for him. Uh, on the Dunny side, Dunny has a very favorable matchup to Keating's detriment against the Giants secondary. The, Gi- the Giants are terrible. We're all mostly Gi- uh, Giants fans here, and, and it's been tough to watch, but I would expect Wentz to put up some points against the Giants. He also, to Keating's favor, Dunn has a tough matchup for Kamara. But he'll still put up points uh, against San Francisco. And Dunny has McCaffrey, who right now I think is arguably the best running back in the league. So he's going to put up points. Uh, Dunny also has Kareem Hunt, who is playing the Bengals. So you make your argument that he could see some increased carry load and uh, score some serious points against the Bengals. Uh, in this matchup, I'm going to pick Dunn over Keating. Um like that's any surprise to anyone. I think Keating even said like he didn't think he was gonna win, but they gotta play the games. Uh, on to the consolation bracket. Uh, the consolation bracket, Jake versus Rhino. I think this is gonna be a close matchup. I think it could swing either way, especially with Jake starting Duck Hodges at quarterback. Who knows if that was a one week wonder? Uh, so let's see what he can get out of him. Uh, Jake also still has two guys that are questionable on his roster. I'm interested to see if Jake's paying attention to. Uh, I guess the fantasy consolation bracket and looks to see if those guys are going to be active and makes moves to his rosters. If not, if he leaves it and they don't play, Rhino could be in the driver's seat. Um, obviously, Jake's going to need to get a big game out of Gurley, uh, and he also has a very favorable matchup with uh, Jarvis Landry playing the Bengals. So I would lean Jake in this, but Rhino obviously is going to need big games from Will Fuller and Michelle to even have a shot. Allen, Allen Robinson having a good game is, is making it a tough hill to climb for Rhino. But I think uh, with Sterling Shepard coming back to the Giants offense, uh, I think he could be due for a big game. But again, with Eli playing, uh, who knows if Eli is even able to produce or if he continues to be as bad as he was uh, before he got benched. So in this one, I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to pick Jake to get by Rhino. Uh, in the last consolation matchup would be Mickles versus Kentz. With Gallup going for a big game on Thursday, I think it's a, it's going to be very tough uh, for Kentz to slide by Mickles in this one. Uh, I mean, Mickles has a, a great team with uh, Watson's tough as nails. And uh, you also have uh, Jacobs, who I think has been one of the best uh, draft picks in the league. Um, and there's no reason to believe that this isn't going to continue versus Tennessee for Mickles. Uh, Robbie Anderson also has a very good matchup against the Dolphins. And uh, the Dolphins are terrible, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up some points there. Kent is going to need to have big games from uh, Robert Woods and uh, Goff. But that goes without saying. I think he needs that every week. 
to, in order to compete. Um, he also is in hoping that the namesake of his team, Mark Andrews, can go off against a Buffalo. We'll see. But if that happens, he could he could overcome the points deficit and beat McMahon. Um, but unfortunately for Kent's, I think uh, the Rashad Penny experiment might be all but over. Uh, Carson seems to be taking most of the carries there. So when you add up all these things, uh, I'm going to pick Mickles to cruise over uh, Kent's in that matchup. So to recap, I'm picking McHugh and Dunny in the regular playoffs. And I'm picking Pharmacus and Mickles in the consolation. Uh, now getting to the other important topics. Uh, I didn't really talk about myself in this podcast because uh, disappointed in finishing on last. I think I kind of had some bad luck throughout the year. A ton of injuries. Uh, feeling in and out of the lineup. T.Y. Hilton basically hurt. Uh, Tom Brady's offense being pretty terrible. Uh, I traded James White at the wrong time. I mean, these are the things that happen. It's it's part of the, it's part of fantasy football. It's part of what makes it fun. Uh, injuries are, in my opinion, the most important factor in whether you win or lose. Um, I've been pretty consistent over over the last couple of years in fantasy and finishing middle of the pack. Sometimes sweeping up to the top and winning the championship. Um, but Yahoo's projections weren't far off. My team wasn't very good. Uh, I mean, Brandon Cooks was terrible. Uh, probably the worst keeper I've ever kept. And uh, this all results in me finishing in last place. Disappointment. I'll serve my punishment. Um, I'm not sure what the punishment is. That's up for debate, I guess. Uh, one thing I think we should do to going forward, I think uh, we've kind of had this conversation in the past, uh, but I think we should lock in the punishment before the year um, just so we kind of know. I mean, I could be wrong maybe – Maybe the punishment outside the beer mile has already been decided, and I just don't know. In that case, let me know. Um, but I'm curious to see what we come up with. Um, again, I'll serve the punishment with me getting married in August, um, and when, who knows when the draft's going to be. Uh, if I can't make the draft, I will do it at the year following draft. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, but I will serve the punishment, and hoping I can make the draft, obviously, because uh, I want to – get it over with as soon as possible. Uh, but yes, finishing last sucks. I mean, I think that's the thing with our league for me, it's fun to win, but I, I mean, for the pride purposes, God, do you just not want to finish in last? And Fenlin and I had some pretty funny conversations going back and forth about n- basically rooting against each other. Cause I mean, n- neither of us wanted to finish in last place, but it is what it is. We're here now. So you deal with it. It's all in good fun. And that's what makes this league great is, uh, we all get to laugh at each other. Uh, the last topic I kind of just wanted to talk about was uh, the thing with Keating. Uh, we had the separate text chain. Uh, I think I, I totally understand why Keating did it. I don't think, uh, I mean, I think if it was anyone else in the league, uh, we might not have been so harsh towards him. Yeah, I think the punishment was probably pretty harsh. I understand the precedent being set uh, is a scary one. Um, I was mostly just ragging Keating because it's fun. Um, but I, I, I mean, Part of me thinks it's within his right to, uh, in that scenario, do what he did. But I also understand the precedent being set that, like, if I if that happened for me, uh, and I was to finish in last because of that, I'd be fucking pissed. I mean, very pissed. And then it becomes unfair. So I get Keating looked at that and it didn't affect it. 
So that's why he did what he did. If he thought it was going to affect the last place punishment, he wouldn't have done it. Um, but I understand where, like, where we all ended up. Uh, try to curb this type of behavior. I think with Keating, too, I think it's kind of just a cumulative effect of people thinking he's shady. Uh, I just think it's funny because I love when Keating gets pissed. And he, he got the hammer brought down on him. Um, but it's made some for some fun last couple of weeks in the league. Uh, I, I've enjoyed it very much. So uh, I think that's pretty much it for uh, Week 14 podcast. Uh, sorry if this is a little choppy. I did the best. I mean, I'm editing all this on my phone. Um, I hope everyone has a fun weekend and good luck in the playoff matchups or the non-playoff matchups to the guys that had buys. Uh, I did not do previews for you. And obviously for Fenlon and I, uh, we are not in the playoffs, so there's nothing to talk about. Uh, I will probably not do another podcast. I will probably post a video reaction on Monday uh, or Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever, to finalize the the week. So hope everyone has a good weekend. I'll catch you guys on the flip side.